The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Send a maniac to catch a gutter. Oh, you know that's Demolition Man, and I switched it up, but who cares? Kevin Goatee here, gutting the sacred cow. Oh, baby, do I have a happy one here for you. I've got my old pal Kevin Israel back in the co-host seat where he rightfully belongs. And today, he gets to watch a film he's never seen, and that is 1995's Heat. Who hates Heat? Christian Finnegan, the man from Chappelle's show and various other Comedy Central specials. He hates Heat. Big time hates Heat. Now, now let's see if Christian Finnegan can throw dirt on the old fossils known as Al Pacino and Robert De Niro in Heat. Gather round, here's what I know. It's just that this cow has got to go. I know some people kind of like it, yeah. I just want some chips, man. That's it. That's it. Just have some chips. Turn that over, man. It's burning. It's burning. Turn that over. Kevin Israel, buddy. Great to see you again. Ah, it's great to see you, but I hate this part. Name uh, that film. I don't know. I don't know. Christian Finnegan is our guest. He was a monster gutter for the Blues Brothers episode. And very, very fine job, as I agree with him on his, on his thoughts on that. Christian, you have any idea what that quote, uh, what film that quote is from? Can I get a repeat, please? I just want some chips, man. That's it. Just some chips. Turn that over, man. It's burning. It's burning. Turn it over. Not a clue. I'm yeah. completely a blank. I was going to choose the obvious uh, quote, but it's too easy. Oh, well, you have Amistad. A guess? No. <laughs> 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 Thankfully, you did not say Schindler's List, because that would have been even worse. Oh, wow. The answer, I'll tell you, I'll give you the quote from the same film. Can I have the knife, please? Still, still no. a blank. Go- Golden Child, Golden Child. Oh my, oh my God! I have. You know what? I don't think I've ever actually seen that entire movie. You know what? You haven't missed much because it stinks. <laughs> yeah, that's a, one of those movies those that I would always two lines. Yeah, 
In the 80s it in on the HBO, theater. it would always be on, and I'd be like, I should watch this, because this looks no. like something I'd want to watch, and I never, just never did. The Here's- only thing I remember is the, the main lady in it, uh, she gets uh there's no like actual flesh in that movie but she her she gets doused with water of some sort and uh i i aged a bit while watching it like, you learned I, something about yourself yeah i i was like what is that feeling i have <laughs> but i want more of it i will listen this let's make things very easy guys anytime you see the words p letters pg-13 next to eddie murphy movies they're not good yeah except yeah, Eddie professor to- i guess yeah, that's it. Professor, uh, is Bowfinger rated R? Bowfinger is probably rated R. I think it's rated R. I think it's rated R. Kevin Goatee, Kevin Israel, Christian Finnegan. Here we are, kids, gutting the sacred cow, the best movie review slash movie debate podcast out there where guests are invited to pick a film they find overrated or hate. But here's the twist. They must find their, the, the film they choose must have one of these criteria met. Widely beloved, critically acclaimed, financial success. Christian Finnegan has chosen a film that has met a lot of, actually all three of them, I say, and a film that Kevin Israel has yet to see until now, and that is 1995's Heat. A budget of 1995, as I had mentioned, of $60 million. A box office haul, $187.4 million. Turn that into 2023 money. $118.9 million budget. Box office, $3715 million. Not bad. That's that. pretty good. IMDb boys, as we know, one through ten with decimal points. Christian, what do you think Heat has scored on the old IMDb? I'm going to guess it scored rather high because, I mean, just based on the opinions of people that I, I know, uh, I'm going to guess an eight point four. Kevin Israel, eight eight. One of you is one-tenth of a point away. Christian Finnegan, 8.3. Yeah. 8.3. Well yeah, done, right. sir. Well, man, I should be on the prices, right? <laughs> I was just going to say, price right rules, you'd be over. Yeah, uh, good point. Good point. <laughs> Rotten Tomatoes, 1 through 100, fellas. You know the drill. Kevin Israel, what did the critics give Heat? 84. Christian Finnegan. Critics? Critics. Uh, 83. I'm going to stick with 84. I'm going to, I'm going to, no, I don't want to pick the same score. I'll say 87. Let's just Ew, this time it's price is right. Rules in effect. 88. Wow. Mm. Christian just all over it. He is. Yeah. Oof. I know my group think. <laughs> <laughs> you should be a sniper. <laughs> Audience score. Christian Finnegan. Same scale. 92. Kevin Israel. 93. One of you is also won both showcases in the prices, right? Kevin Israel, come on down! 94. Everyone loves this. I film. know. I played the game. I yeah. played it. I played yeah. it hard. Quotes. <laughs> if you don't, I mean, there's only one. one. I, we, we, well, there's actually, only one. No, no, no. There's, I think there's, th- <laughs> there are three. There's one that's a little off the beaten path. It's my favorite one because I love screaming it. Don't waste my motherfucking time. Yeah. 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 Don't let yourself get attached to anything you are not willing to walk out on in 30 seconds flat if you feel the heat around the corner. And Kevin Israel, why don't you do me the honors of the obvious one? Great ass! And your head is all the way up it! <laughs> I hate it so much. I hate it. I hated it. it when I saw it. Yeah, we'll get to it. We'll, we'll address it. Five fun facts. 
Heat is influenced by real life. The character of Vincent Hanna is based on Chuck Adamson, a Chicago-based police officer. Adams spent a significant chunk of his career trying to track down criminal Neil McCauley. That's right. The same name for the real-life guy was used in the film. Except <laughs> they couldn't rightly call anything that takes place in Chicago heat. Right. Because it's a very cold place. Unless you are going to discount the film Windy City Heat. Oh, good point. Good point. Silly me. Eddie Bunker was a career criminal throughout his teens and early adult life, but he eventually left that world behind. He became a screenwriter and actor. Do you guys know what film he was in? This is who in Pete? Eddie Well, He served as the inspiration for John Voight's character, Nate. Now, he looks exactly like a character in a film I have seen countless times. Israel, I think you have too. Uh, what character did he play? Or no, sorry. What film was he in? He played. If I give you the character name, you're gonna figure out the film in two seconds. And this and is he, an LA-based dude. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. LA-based dude. I'm gonna say Reservoir Dogs. You oh, sir are correct. Reservoir oh, my God. Dogs. Wow. Good guess. I, I think I even know the guy you're talking about. I, I can Blue. picture yep. in my head. Yeah. Yeah. The hair gave it away. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very. That's, very well done. That's very. That's ironic when I get my notes. That's interesting. <laughs> Number three, none, repeat, none of Heat was shot on a soundstage. All 107 days were done on location. At times, this caused problems. In particular, shooting in LAX proved difficult because when they intended to shoot there, the airport was dealing with a bomb threat from the Unabomber. Oh, man. Is that, does that just take you back into DeLorean this, time? This is yeah, just like, yeah, a 90s really walk crossing of the historical streams. I mean, another year before that, and we're, we're in uh, OJ Bronco territory, fellas. Yeah. Number four, most of the time, gun sounds would be added to a film in post-production. This makes particular sense, given that you would not want an actual film set to be that loud and chaotic. You hear me, Alec Baldwin? Are you paying attention? <laughs> Man did not take this route with heat. Instead, the big gunfight showdown, man placed microphones all over the shooting location to capture the noise from the live guns. Can you imagine living in downtown LA and hearing guns? I guess it's not that much different than it is now. Okay. Oh, I see what you do too. Are these these urban hell holes? Are you DeSantis? Come on. No. <laughs> By 1995, Pacino has delved into a self-parody already. His, excuse me, his performances were not subtle, and Heat is no different. In this case, though, it made sense. In 2016, Pacino imagined his character was on cocaine the entire time. This is not in the script per se, but Pacino decided to do this with his character. It sounds to me like Tom Sizemore borrowed a lot of cocaine from Al Pacino's character. How about you guys? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you you got to know that any any Sizemore project, there's going to be a there's a guy on set that you can you know, you know a handler. There's a guy, you know, <laughs> yeah, Someone, snowman Charlie. <laughs> How do you think you become a fifth production assistant in any Spielberg or Quentin Tarantino film? <laughs> yeah, it's these uh, what they call consulting producers. Yeah, let's see what the fans want to know from you, Christian. In of course our fan favorite pun intended segment, ask a gutter at Bango two three three one. What location or item items would you like to see a heist film about that hasn't been made yet? 
Hmm. Uh, a Renaissance fair would be kind of fun, like <laughs> some sort of, you know, uh, but you have to go like the, the, the robbers have to go undercover, like as Ren fair dudes, I think, or any sort of a uh, LARPing sort of, uh, you know, <laughs> we've got to steal the fake crown jewels. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, like maybe, maybe here's what it is. Oh, that's a good idea that some actual, some LARPer is going away for his like weekend, LARPing weekend or Ren Fair weekend or whatever, and stops by a like uh, antique store to pick up like a last minute bauble or crown or something because his crappy plastic one broke. And it turns out to be like an actual like heirloom that somehow oh, that was so waiting then, for a criminal who knew it was there. And now yes. they've got to go get it. I love there it. We go. Let's make this love fucking movie. Let's, Let's do it. <laughs> like the nerd version of Sword in a Stone, but the crown instead of the uh, the sword. Yeah. Kev, you got to <laughs> edit this whole thing out. <laughs> patent pending. Patent pending. Yeah, this is it. <laughs> uh, at Joe loves Kim. By the way, I, you said you did not pass judgment on my my lightsaber before. I you said Ren Fair. This is going to clue me in to think that vaguely sexual. Uh, listen, you said Renfair. It's a perfectly adequate lightsaber. You said Renfair, which makes me believe that you, sir, are into that kind of cosplay. My older brother was. He was uh, kind of a kind of like the Mick Jagger of the LARPing world when I was growing up. Uh, it was uh, kind of a big figure in in that uh, in that. So I do know a little bit about it. It was an early D and D adopter. Anybody in yeah, my so generation. Was I. Yeah, anybody I'm I'm just I just turned 50 and anybody who kind of like was in there between 8 and 15 when D&D came out played a little Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, you know, we dabbled. I I'm just like more than lyrics from my paladins. Let's just <laughs> I did a little more than dabble. That was how I, that was how I got through high school. <laughs> I uh I'm the same as Kevin Israel. I never played Dungeons and Dragons. It's uh Never, not in our neighborhood, not in, the, not in that. But uh, saying that uh, he was the Mick Jagger of LARPing, that's like saying you went to the Harvard of cosmetology schools. It means absolutely nothing. All right. <laughs> Next question, at Joe Loves Cam, uh, what short jacked musician should replace Henry, Henry Rollins in Heat 2? Um, when I short jacked, the first came to my mind was was Glenn Danzig. But Glenn Danzig, older. that's exactly he's what I older than, Yep. Yeah. I, I mean, I and I'd call that dream casting personally. I'm a huge, misfit, yeah. I'm a huge. First of all, don't ever bring that up nonsense again, Kevin Israel. It is misfits and misfits only in this household. How Glenn Danzig was referred to. <laughs> I have seen him in concert right before COVID. I am seeing him again in a few weeks at the Prudential Center, and I cannot wait to watch five foot one Glenn Danzig with a forty five pound beer belly slowly strut around the stage and sing Devil Lock. Thank you. Oh, he's fat now. He's been fat. And he's oh, singing Elvis man. songs now. That's, he had an album that oh, came out last year of him covering Elvis songs. That will be my determined, uh, predetermined piss break then, or beer <laughs> run. I show, unless it's Viva Las Vegas, then I'm a sucker for that. Everybody, no one listens to the end of podcasts. Let's talk about plugs. Christian Finnegan, what are you up to besides LARPing in your cabin in the forest? Well, um... <laughs> I, I, this is a kind of easy thing. I, I, I write a newsletter that people can subscribe to called new music for olds, which is basically uh, me suggesting new music for people who have stopped looking for it because most people, they get to a certain age or they have lives and jobs and families and all that, and they don't have time. And uh, I still do. So it's like, and I 
kind of just serve up some some comedy, music-related jokes and whatnot, and some uh, random uh, brain farts, uh, mostly music-related. That's uh, newmusicforolds.substack.com. And I have five comedy albums out, and my most recent special is called Show Your Work, and you can watch it on Prime Video. I am on the eternal quest for new artists, and if there's nothing that struck me, and I still refuse to flat out listen to a Jack Harlow song because, you know, <laughs> he, he looks terrible. What do you recommend, new music-wise, to artists for me? What's the last album that you really kicked your butt? That like the last song that like you really got into that was or new a song. If you yeah if I, if I, if you were to if I were to grab your phone and just hit shuffle like what might come up? I'm a huge punk fan. Bad Religion is my favorite. Bad Religion and Nirvana are my two favorite bands, but I'm also a huge old school rap guy. And rap stopped for me at 2003. The Jay Z Black out the the third okay. out the Blueprint. Uh, on the punk side, uh, I don't know if you're into like hardcore. But there's a, a band called Jesus Peace that I super dig. Right. Uh, it's really, really heavy, really hard. And uh, I with with hardcore, I'm like one out of ten. I'll enjoy. I don't. It's not really my genre. But for whatever reason, uh, this band Jesus Peace, they have a new album that just came out, and it's kicks my ass. And uh, and I don't pretend to be a huge hip hop fan. Uh, but I do occasionally find stuff that I like. The last thing I liked was this guy, uh, Ruben Vincent. Who is uh he has um a couple albums out, I think, but the most recent one is the one that I I I super got into. It's very, very, you know, a lot of great wordplay, like not like very, very smart, you know, a lot of uh double entendres and sort of interesting wordplay and stuff like that. So that's those are my two recommendations for you. Just like two live crew, oh. Luther uh Luther, God, Luther Campbell, I should say. Just kidding. Yeah, no, it's been uh, it's been a slog for hip hop. I, I yearn for the days of Eric B and Rakim and other APMD and stuff like that. Uh, KevinIsrael.com, I suppose, is the uh, soup du jour. Anything else yep. you'd like to add in that? Yep. No, I just picked up some uh, July dates. I'm going to be out in Pennsylvania, so check out my calendar. Um, and uh, I have one comedy album out, the "Struggle Is Real," that you can get everywhere you get your listening stuff. Beautiful. Check out guttingthesacredcow.com, of course, juttingthesacredcow at gmail.com if you want to advertise with us or say hi. And check out the Joke Community Room in the Metaverse where you'll be seeing comics, watching comics seasons one through eight uh, during our month-long comedy festival in August. And yes, the Joke Community Room in the Metaverse. Also, Fantasy Football Jibber Jabber will be making its return then as well. Fellas, let's get this party started. All right. Christian, I think it's time we let you out of your cage, kind sir. Your rusty cage, as Soundgarden would say. Kevin Israel, let's let the man do what he's done one for one on so far this show. And that, of course, is Gut, gut the, the Sacred Cow. Yes. You both just froze. <laughs> of course we did. Of course. It sounded like, perfect on our side. I was like, wow, side. you guys are really drawing this 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 dramatic pause out. It did sound perfect on our side. Damn it, Kevin. <laughs> it really did. Go ahead, Christian. Let's hear it. Oh, you want you want me to, to yep. give you my piece now? Um, yes, sir. All right. Listen, I I feel like the only people that are going to come. I'm sorry. Let me let me say this again. I have a lot of friends who love this movie. Like in people I respect, not just people who I happen to be friends with, like people whose opinions I revere in many ways. And 
I've come to the conclusion that the only way this all makes sense is that they're lying Um, (laughs) because they're not stupid people. They're very smart people. And to the, to the extent that I think the whole world is lying about this movie, I, I don't understand. And it's not that it's like miserable. It's entertaining. There's good scenes in it. There's great lines. There's some good performances. It's pretty to look at. The music is nice. But the, the main thrust of the movie, it's all based on the idea of like, it, you know, if there's one line that I think is, I think it's said 40 times in the movie is, this crew is good. This crew is good. And here's the problem. No, they're not. They're a bad crew. They're terrible at being bank robbers. And we we have no evidence of them actually being good other than Al Pacino repeatedly saying it. Um, just Let's just take the very first scene. We are introduced to this crew and everything goes wrong because they decided to hire some asshole sight unseen. Mm. In this important bank robbery. Now, maybe there's some justifiable reason why they had to not go with their usual guy and they hired some rando to pull off a bank heist with them. But we don't see that. All we see is like terrible hiring practices. Because uh, it's not like this guy, Wayne Grow, who's, of course, the the sort of the bad guy, if there's one singular bad guy in the movie. It's not as if like he seems like really smart and capable. And then it turns out that he's a bad guy. He's like, no, he's a fuck up from like literally the first second you see him. And the first opportunity he gets to fuck something up, he fucks it up and murders this dude. And then that's kind of the, the inciting incident that starts the whole movie with fine. That's totally fine. But the entire movie rests on the premise that these guys are just utter professionals. Like just these guys are just pros. Like, what is the interview process to get into this crew? Do you work? Do you they take down references. scores? <laughs> yeah, oh, you yeah. do. Oh, okay. You've been to jail. Oh, uh, you're not as good as I thought. Then they don't even know the dude. Like he's just some random guy. And I'm sorry if I'm you know if I've taken the time to uh, you know go to Arizona to get explosives because that's another scene at the beginning of the movie where Val Kilmer picks up these explosives. By the way, another little pet peeve of mine. And this is not specifically a heat issue, but it's, I hate it when uh, he goes up the counter and he's like, yeah, bill it to Jack's construction in Tucson. And the guy's like, oh yeah, Jack's construction. Uh, do you have a, like a VIN number? You know, do you have like a tax ID? Do you have any sort of like, do you have any paperwork? Do you have a product code? You, you know what I mean? Like you right. can't just go to, and first of all, just Jack's construction. It reminds me of a movie like when somebody will say, uh, give me a beer, you know, that class. Oh, yes. It's that thing. Chris, <laughs> you know, it's even worse when you work at a bar and they go, give me a beer. And then we would say, what flavor? Yeah, what flavor? <laughs> Same thing. I just like how difficult is it to be like you know Jackson Sons Construction, whatever. Just Jack's Construction, Jack's Construction, Tucson. Oh sure, sure. Let me ring that up for you. Let me ring up these highly dangerous explosives for you. Pre nine eleven was a great time for criminality. Yeah, oh. I'm sorry. I know it's pre nine eleven. I know things were a little different, but nothing. It wasn't that different. Like you would have to give some sort of information. To pick up, you know, demolition explosives. Yeah, but have you seen Val Kilmer's smile? It's so goddamn disarming. That, and that ponytail. <laughs> yeah, that's another thing too. It's like, um, yeah, great job, uh, great job going, uh, you know, unnoticed when when two of you have giant long ponytails. Uh, <laughs> Wayne Grow and Val Kilmer both have these ridiculously like identifiable haircuts. 
I'll um, speak for I'll speak for defense on that. I'm just going to play the Steven Seagal card. It was the 90s. Everyone had ponytails. It was a badass. Defense rests. Good point. Good point. And you would think that like in Robert De Niro too, it's like, you know, he had what we call the goatee, uh, which yeah. I'm sure you relate to. Okay. Sure. Uh, but it really is a Van Dyke. But uh, <laughs> but it's like you think that like after this heist gone wrong, you would want to change your appearance slightly. And it seemed like one easy way to do that might be to take 30 seconds to shave your goatee. Because you did take 30 seconds after this heist gone wrong to change into a suit for some reason to go meet up with John Voight to give him these bearer bonds. Um, I'm sorry. These This is very obscure scenes in the movie. I just refreshed my memory of it this morning. So it's very fresh in my head. But the, my, my general overall point is just that like we're constantly told that this crew is good and they really are not. They're really not. Because again, and then so what do they do after the heist goes wrong? Let's have our big post-crime meeting at a crowded diner. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> like... <laughs> That's where they go. They 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 murder three people, and then they all they decide to go to you know uh, Bennigan's to to have a to have a quesadilla, and then you know uh, Robert De Niro bashes Wayne Gross' face on on the table, and one of the other customers like is shocked, and then uh, Tom Sizemore gives him the like mind your own business look, which is kind of a cool scene, but it's just like, you know, you guys are trying to get away with this, right? Like. Right maybe not a good idea to be just causing a major violent scene in a diner after you just murdered three people. And by, then by the way, I, I, I hate to interrupt for yeah. one second. I, uh, I, I rewound that scene several times for one reason only because I was staring at it like uh, an autistic kid trying to count a number of paper clips that fall on the floor. Why? Because I was trying to ascertain if that was indeed the same diner that Honey Bunny tried oh, to rob yeah. in Pulp Fiction with Samuel L. Jackson and, of course, Travolta. There were many angles ago. Man, that is that same Hawthorne diner um, that it was. And I looked on the internet, and nothing could confirm that. Mm. I feel like it's too narrow. Yeah, yeah I thought but, it too. I, that seems too narrow to me as well. Yeah, yeah but the, the Pulp way Pulp Fiction that, one is wider, big, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think the like the strip along the where the windows were. That's what kind of like that yeah. looks very familiar because I've I've seen Pulp Fiction. I, probably 200 times. I don't know. I'm exactly. Yeah, that's, it's, it's, no, that, that's a good point. It's possible. But also it's like, all right, so now you're going to murder this guy. Right. Uh, yeah. Let's take him out to the parking lot after we've just weirded everybody in the diner out by bashing <laughs> this guy's face on the table. <laughs> let's blow his brains out 20 feet from the big bay window that everybody's sitting at. Um, and, and then when the police come by and you have to wait a second, don't don't bother holding on to Wayne Grow or sort of keeping your foot on him or something to make sure he doesn't run away. It's just like these are yeah. very obvious mistakes to me, which is fine. But it just feels to me like they're more a Coen Brothers crew. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Like it, it's it feels much more like, you know, cruel intentions or something like like just some bumbling crew of doofuses than, you know, some highly orchestrated, you know, band of crime commandos. Um so yeah, so that's that's my my main frustration with this movie is that the the central premise is flawed. Um two, uh we are this is really where Al Pacino was given his given it he where he gave into his worst impulses, where he stopped being an actor and started being a performer in a bad way. Do you know what I mean? Like I I, yeah, right I just think here. It's, it's really 
embarrassingly corny to me. And it's like everything that is sort of bad about Al Pacino's performances over the past 30 years to me are like traced directly to that movie. I'm trying to think of like, what was he in immediately preceding this? Was Scent of a Woman before this? Scent of a Woman, if I, my, I, I think it was. I'm pretty sure, I'll do a quick Googs. I'm pretty sure it was. But the film that really, I mean, when was right. Devil's Advocate? Devil's uh, that's Advocate, exactly yeah. my next point. Devil's Advocate was a real official stamp of, you know, of Al Pacinoism. I think. See, I prefer. I would prefer Devil's Advocate. One hundred percent. Because it's a it's a silly movie, and so I'm yeah. fine with him being silly in it, and he's playing the devil and and whatever. But to me, it's like yeah, ninety two. Nothing in the script. Woman. Nothing in the script calls for that performance at all. It, it just to me is very show offy and it's it's a guy who's just kind of like you know i'm gonna make this one all about me is how it how it feels to me fair so, sorry fair. Al. no <laughs> peacocking he spends the entire movie peacocking Ooh. and shouting random words <laughs> <laughs> well he starts off talking and then yeah, the last exactly. sentence is always just yelling. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah. A, B, C, D, E, F, G. <laughs> Going to get some coffee in a newspaper tomorrow morning. Who wants a napkin? Ah, ooh, ah. I yeah, kept I, doing I, that. Ashley got so mad at me. I kept going, hoo-ah. <laughs> she was like, would you stop that? I was like, I can't. <laughs> yeah, right. I think I was on a, on a, a serious radio show once, and we were uh, – I can't remember if we were doing Adam Sandler doing Al Pacino lines or Al Pacino doing Adam Sandler lines, but either it's is funny great. either way. <laughs> I'm dying to hear the Pacino into Adam Sandler. That's the, that's the avenue I want to go down. Want to touch the Heine? <laughs> so hot, Veronica Vaughn. <laughs> um. So, so yeah. I mean, when you watch The Godfather. It's so, I mean, I'm not the first or 50th or 100th person to make this observation, but it's just shocking that it's the same actor, you know, that he was so still and so small with his acting choices and so nuanced. And there's just nothing of that in sort of the other Pacino, the one that we've come to know over the past 30 years. Um, and I, you know, just on a personal level, I miss that old actor. I don't, I'm not a huge fan of the the peacock. He started getting high on his own supply. <laughs> well, I mean, it worked to his benefit. I mean, yeah. it's. I think before that, he was he was definitely thought of as a great actor, but he probably wasn't as big of a celebrity as he then became. You know, I think yeah. that he became sort of a, 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 a kind of a the late 20th century version of a meme, which <laughs> yeah. That's, you know, that's a great observation. <laughs> I like turtles. <laughs> All right. Next up um, on the other on the other end of the spectrum. De Niro's character is a complete cipher. Like there's nothing particularly interesting about him or his performance in my mind. Like if they had met in the middle. I think the movie would have been a lot stronger if De Niro gave us a little bit more and Pacino gave us a little bit less and it's whatever. I mean, he's a driven guy and he's not, he's not a very showy dude emotionally. I could, that's fine, but it, it makes the central love story completely unbelievable to me because there is absolutely nothing about him that would make a woman be like, I've got to meet that guy. He's just some <laughs> random dude completely charmless he's utterly charmless and 
there's a there's a thing that happens in movies, and I'm sure that there's probably a name for this trope, but where the the female lead falls for the male character. And you think about it, the only reason is is because he's the main character of the movie. <laughs> like there's nothing that that character has done that would inspire such, you know, adoration or Oh, interest. you mean every single John Cusack rom-com like that? Perhaps, maybe. <laughs> uh, I like high fidelity, by the way, but that's another story. Uh, but um, but but do you know what I mean? That it's like if 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 this dude wasn't the character we were following in this movie, what in the world would make? First of all, what would make her start a conversation with him at the diner anyway? But she asks him what he's reading. Is he, a book about metals. Does that seem like the kind of thing that a woman's like? Oh, I got I got to hear more from this dude. This guy seems like he's really. <laughs> gonna light my panties on fire you know you know what i mean and and he's a total jerk to her when she introduces herself you know because he's a criminal and like why are you asking all these questions but for some reason and the reason is is because she needs to she needs to care about him in order for the plot to move forward she stays engaged in this conversation with this guy who's completely uninteresting uh reading a book about fucking metals Mm-hmm. And is a complete prick to her for the first sixty seconds of their their introduction. And what so if, I was gonna say, what if Al Pacino was the one with the book on metals? I'm more of a tungsten man myself. <laughs> yeah, see, I you know you 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 laugh, but I would buy that a little more. I would buy, I would buy that a little more. I'll There's give just, you some tungsten. <laughs> yeah, he's Cute. just not. And also, his main premise is you know you you can't have anything in your life. I almost went into Trump there. I don't know, like you can't have anything in your life. You want to drop it with the heats around the corner. Uh, you know, his whole shtick about you know which he says to Chris, uh, he says to Val Kilmer first, and then he later says to Al Pacino about you know being out the door, not having any attachments. He doesn't do that either. He's completely wrapped up in Val Kilmer and Ashley Judd's relationship in a way that he doesn't need to be. Like, he's completely wrapped up, even the notion of this being a really tight crew. You know, the reason that they get caught is because they all go out to fucking dinner together like they're like they're co-workers on like a, you know, a, a business retreat, you know, like, oh, let's all get dressed up and go have dinner together. I mean, if you're really concerned with not getting busted, that's just not the kind of thing you do. And the whole reason is, is because they identified uh, Tom Sizemore and then they're all at dinner together and they, oh yeah, that's that guy. That's that guy. That's that guy. And by the way, the whole notion that slick thing I was such a thin fucking branch. Like, you know, it's the whole way it's introduced. First of all, it's completely just like he only says it twice. He says it very under his breath. It's not like he's like, hey, there, slick, because right. that's the thing I say. I call people slick. Right. And so then when when Pacino uh, is talking, I don't remember who what the character is, the the, the, the black, the brother, the black guy's brother. Yes, yes, that dude. Fucking um, Tone Loke, guys. Tone Loke, right, right, right. That's so funny. When he started talking, I was like, is that fucking Tone Loke? (laughs) Yeah. yeah. It would be great if he goes, we're going to have the drink tonight, fellas. I'm going to have a funky cold Medina. (laughs) Aight. And uh, that's what happens when bodies start slapping. At some point, he works out. (laughs) Well done. Um, So... You know, the whole like in him just sort of randomly throwing, oh, this slick is a cool is a is a bad motherfucker or whatever he says. And that, you know, perks Al Pacino's ears like that's such a weak way 
to try to get that. But it wasn't. And it wasn't across. even his nickname. It was what yeah. he called other people. So why right. would you call him that? It, yeah. When he was, I, 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 yep. It is tenuous. Uh, yeah. So, so there's that. So I think we've caught, we covered a lot of that so far. Um, we spent a lot of time on the relationship between Ashley Judd and Hank Azaria, which is <laughs> fine, I guess, but I don't feel like none of that was like totally necessary. And also Diane Venora, who plays Al Pacino's wife or girlfriend or whatever, for some reason, you know, just there's, there's nothing against her. I'm sure she's a fine, wonderful person. You know, sometimes there's just certain actors that you just don't like, you just don't click with. Uh, I never enjoyed her in anything and there's nothing. I'm sure she's a wonderful person, but it's just, so that's in the whole thing with her in their marriage. I don't care. I, that's maybe a me thing, but I, I don't, I don't care. And also it's kind of betrayed the first time we see them. They're having this like passionate love affair. You know, they're having sex in the morning and they're like, seem to be kind of a great relationship, not even a good relationship, seem to be in a great relationship. And then halfway through the movie, we're told they're like, oh, no, they're actually about to split up. They're after a terrible relationship. (laughs) Okay, I guess if you say so, you know, and now she's bringing over some other dude. All right. Sure. It just none of it. None of it makes logical sense to me. But I think we all just tell ourselves that it all comes together because people want to love this movie because it was Pacino and De Niro's first movie. And because people love Michael Mann, I guess, because he made pretty TV shows. Uh, Last of the Mohicans as well. He didn't make my last. He was my, that was Michael Mann. Um, Yeah. I'm pretty damn sure it was. I know he, I know he did Manhunter. And Manhunter. He did Collateral. I love Collateral. Love Collateral. It's so funny that Collateral, that's really funny. I was it, I was yeah. gonna compare this to Collateral. Yeah, yeah he did. I mean, he has a look. He, his movies yeah. have a look. Yeah, Last Mohicans, Heat, The Insider, Ali, okay. Collateral, Miami Vice, the movie, Public Enemies, Black. Oh, Miami Vice, the movie was terrible. It was terrible. Thief, he did with James Caan, by the way, another good one. Mm-hmm. So he's got some um, good ones in there, and uh, <laughs> and then Black Hat with Chris Hemsworth. Ugh. I didn't even see it. Didn't no one did. It. That's why no one knows about it. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any other major points that I want to hit. Uh, oh, the shootout <laughs> is so fucking long and stupid. Uh, the, the stairs scene in John Wick four was oh, less yeah. indulgent than the shootout in heat. Yeah. But at least neither Al Pacino or, or, or De Niro, decided to fall down two flights of stairs and then was able to stop himself. But no, Keanu had to fall down an additional seven flights of stairs like a Looney Tunes cartoon. Well, I mean, yeah, at least though with that, it's like there's obviously a comic book silly element to it. It's like intended to be kind of silly. The shootout and heat goes on for so long and they're so completely indiscriminate with their, their shooting. Not just not just the the, the criminals, the, the the police. They're having like it's like the Battle of Fallujah in the middle <laughs> of downtown LA. Like, do you know how fucking fired those cops would be immediately? It's yeah. absurd. First of all, they're running through the streets with machine guns, which I, I just I don't think that's something that happened in the nineties that cops just ran around just just firing off round after round of like just flurries of bullets and there's no like how many civilians have would have died in that 
like hundreds. And then afterwards, they just go back to doing police work. It's like, I don't know. I kind of feel like there'd be some paperwork to fill out. <laughs> well, those cops ended up shooting like stormtroopers anyway. So there weren't any casualties besides uh, a couple of the bad, the bad guys. Yeah. Well, and it's just like, and of course, Tom Sizemore picks up the little kid, you know, as a human shield, which, you know, fine. The character's a scumbag. But I don't feel like the movie ever really tells us it kind of makes us feel like we're supposed to like these people. Like you can have anti-heroes, like you can have criminals that you still care for. And, but you, I don't think you can fully violate it to the degree of having a guy pick up a child as a human shield and then have me continue to root for him or his cohorts from that moment forward. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. any sort of bond you have with those characters is completely severed at that point. And so at the end, when uh, spoiler alert, when Pacino finally kills De Niro and they have this moment where they're holding hands. I'm like, this dude is a murderer. He is a mass <laughs> murderer. They're all murderers. You're a murderer. Like, like who, who am I supposed to like here? You're all terrible people. And, but I don't feel like that's the point of the movie. That's just the way I felt. Fair points. Like, it's not like Barry where it's like, you know, at the end of it, you kind of have to come to the conclusion like, Oh, this dude is a, a piece of shit who deserves to die. Like, you know, where you've gone through that journey with these guys. I feel like even at the end, you're supposed to be like, Oh man, it's, it's a shame that, that one of them had that one of them had to go. It's too bad. They couldn't both have found a way to be friends and move on. Like, no, they're garbage people. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's, that's all fair. Uh, are those your points? Is, is that all? I think so. And also just that uh, Michael Mann, uh, like a lot of L.A. 
Hollywood people thinks LA is more interesting than it is. <laughs> Give they me all try to make they all try to romanticize LA because they all live there and because it's cheaper to shoot there, obviously, because that's where everybody is. But it is an inherently unromantic place to me. It's 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 a bunch of city people living in the suburbs, and it uh it is a fundamentally unattractive city. No matter how much you try to pretend that like the first scene is Robert De Niro getting off the subway, which eleven people in Los Angeles yeah. have done. Uh and live to tell about it. It all takes place, all these movies that take place in downtown LA. It's like I've been to LA thirty times. I've been to downtown LA once or twice, maybe. Same. Well, not but, thirty times. So I've been there a couple. Uh give me number one to ten, Christian. What'd you think overall? I mean, it's not without redeeming qualities. Like, like I said, the music. I like the music. It's pre, it's shot in a. It's it's slick. Uh, <laughs> like the, Michael Mann's style is very slick. It's very you know, uh, sexy adult sexy. Yeah. Um, I'll give it a six. I'll give it. Oh, a six. oh wow. Okay, higher than I'll I give thought it a, you were gonna come five. Out. I'll give it a five. Oh, see, it a there five, we go, man. Kevin. Well, see, I'll give it. A, I'll. I would. Give All it, it took six. was one. Wow. <laughs> Well, I would give it a six if everybody else didn't think it was a 10. That's right. right. Because That's everybody fair. else thinks it's a 10, I'm demoting it to five. <laughs> I don't think people think this. these are 10s, though. I Dude, mean, I don't know, man. There's a lot of people. Maybe it's like it's become kind of a meme thing, but it's like there's a, a big heat cult, at least on my timeline. All right. Hi there. I'm Lance, and I'm the host of true crime podcast Gone But Never Forgotten. I tell stories of missing persons, murders, both solved and unsolved, serial killers, and everything in between. GBNF has been putting out episodes since April of 2021 and continues to drop a new episode each and every week. I like to focus on both giving a voice to the voiceless at the center of the stories that I cover, and also on the psychology of the criminals who commit the heinous crimes that are covered on the show. If you're looking for a fresh serving of true crime in your life, please check out Gone But Never Forgotten wherever you take in your podcasts. Kevin Israel. Why don't you uh, why don't you jump on in the fire? <laughs> so I am much younger than Christian. I am 47. <laughs> and uh, and as a proud Gen Xer and a lover of all things 90s, I, it's shocking to me that I never saw this movie. And everybody always raves about this movie. Like this is one of those movies that whenever you're talking, somehow heat comes up. And I have to be honest, I had no idea what this movie was about. None. I knew Robert De Niro and Pacino were in it and that and it was a cop and a criminal. And that's it. I didn't know if they were friends. I didn't know if he like the criminal was trying to get the cop to do a crime. I didn't know anything. I didn't even know Val Kilmer was in it. I knew nothing about this movie. And so when I told my wife that I was watching it, she goes, oh, my God, you're going to love this movie. All the movies you love, you're going to love this movie. And I was really excited. Because sometimes we have to watch some duds on this podcast. Mm-hmm. And this was, I was like, this is going to be a, it's a movie I should have seen that I'm going to be like, oh, how did I not watch this for, you know, 30 years? I didn't watch this movie. It's two hours and 50 minutes long. Mm-hmm. That is absurd. Yeah. I regretted there, it when I realized that I picked this yeah, movie because I was have to watch it again. 
I didn't I I didn't know you at that point, and I was motherfucking you because I started at nine o'clock last night. <laughs> I was like, I was like, like it's a '90s action movie, hour and forty-five, yeah, right. maybe. You know, no, fucking almost three hours. We're talking Endgame. Like what? Okay, so I was like, well, all right, but it's such a great movie. It'll be three hours of awesomeness. Pacino, De Niro asking the great question. Can good guys do bad things? Can bad guys do good things? Is good bad? Why is Al Pacino screaming all the time? Like we were answering all the questions. This movie, I'll start with my first point that I always like to start off with character development. Mm -hmm. This movie has none. It has absolutely no character development. It just tells you who these characters are and how you should feel about it. And fuck you if you don't, because Look, Val Kilmer is a bad husband and a bad father, and he's got a ponytail, and that's all you need to know. <laughs> and he drives a Corvette like that. Like so, that's what he, he yells at his wife, and he throws stuff, and he walks out, and that's all you need to know about him. And it's just like it's like even the even like the even like the cool action movie stuff. Like Val Kilmer was supposed to be this SIS badass, I guess, and. He he like at no point did he show how he was like so bad and dangerous and like other than the scene where he was like with the sniper gun, but like there was just they they gave you nothing and that and that literally happened. Kevin, Al Pacino specifically told you this crew is good. Yeah, Sorry, right. right. And, and that's but that's and and look, I'm going to apologize in advance because I'm about to repeat everything Christian just said, <laughs> just with probably a little more anger. Uh, and then every other character. I couldn't I, I I'm actually upset about your points about De Niro and Pacino because I agree it. I agree with it totally. It was like they made a bet and Pacino was like, I'm going to overact. And De Niro was like, I don't give a fuck. And then they just <laughs> did that. And it was, and it's so it's so obvious. And like the whole thing, like they're only in this. They only share the screen twice in a two hour and 50 minute movie. But there are two times on screen. You're not going to give a shit. Like it just. Yeah, this, this, that, this. And it's funny that was the reaction when the movie came out. At least it was it was sort of middling and muddled. It was like, well, it was you know it was a good movie. It's great that they're in a movie, but the scene they're only in the one scene. It wasn't really that big of a yeah. scene. And yeah. And the and the the whole no, it's the whole conversation at the diner was just a dud. It just didn't. And so then, so built off of that conversation, you're supposed to believe there's this like Luke Skywalker, Darth Vader, He-Man, Skeletor-esque, mono a mono, Batman, Joker, like chemistry between these two. Why? Why? There's nothing happened. At least if there was a scene um, like in The Fugitive where you could have shot him and he didn't or like something happened anything happened between the two of them that gave it some kind of chemistry, some kind of meat, but there was nothing other than Pacino is obsessed with his job and got to get his man. Why? Cause they tell you, cause that's who he is. It's and he tells you telling, oh, no showing yeah. what's that. It, yeah. And, and, that's, and, and that's honestly, I hate that in movies. Yeah. And that's part of why this movie is so long. Cause they spend so so much time telling you what you're supposed to know and care about and not enough time showing it to you. The action in the movie is 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 bland at best and maybe that's a 90s movie but i feel like if i went back and watched bad boys the action scene like the car chase scene at the end probably has a little has more excitement than this entire movie had in it and that was a fucking michael bay movie yeah like, there's not there's no action in heat that rivals the chase scene in running scared no which oh, is no, not no. even a particularly great movie <laughs> yeah. and 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 by the way to, to reference michael bay again 
This is a, this is a monster ensemble cast. Like mo- like every time somebody comes on, I was like, he's in this fucking like literally everybody in this movie was somebody or was going to be somebody. Right. And it's it's all so wasted. There's just like there's a scene in, in Armageddon and I get everybody, whatever you think about Armageddon, <laughs> but there's a scene in Armageddon when they all leave the tanker and they go out to do their own thing. And you get a little piece of what each of these guys is. And then when they comes back and everybody and then, then, you know, a bunch of them die, you care about them a little more because you know something about them. And they didn't tell you they showed you. They showed you that the one guy was close with his mom. They showed you that the one guy was a gambling addict and the other guy was a cowboy or whatever. And it was like enough to be like, okay, these are people. These are more than just whatever they are. They didn't even do that in this movie. They gave you nothing about these characters that made you go, oh, my God, like, I feel so bad. Like the most. So when they introduced the uh, the ex-con who's on parole and trying to make it right. And you're supposed to care, like, you're going to care about this guy because he's trying to do it the right way. And and he comes on and my wife goes, ah, oh, this is so sad. Which, by the way, as somebody who's never seen a movie before, almost had me divorce her. Because, <laughs> Thanks like, for ruining it. Like, don't tease. Like, now I know exactly what's going to, he's going to die. Like, clearly he's going to die. <laughs> but so they introduce him. And you're supposed to care about, like, he's struggling. He's got the shitty job, the shitty boss. And then randomly, De Niro ends up in his diner just so happened when Danny Trejo was like, I can't do it. And he's like, oh, I know him. He could be our driver. And then he just goes up to him and he's like, (sighs) yeah. And was there any was there any moment where you thought the guy was going to say no? Was there any chance to where you thought the guy was or live? Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And also it's like you made the same mistake that you made the first time. You just hired some dude just sight unseen. Just like, great, you're hired. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And so then he dies and I didn't care. Like it wasn't even like a good death. It wasn't even like. Wait, 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 wait. Pedro Serrano or Trejo? (laughs) Dennis Haysbert. Yeah. Pedro Serrano. (laughs) Oh, is it? Is that his name? Yeah. yeah oh, in major, in major League, it is. Major League. Oh, right. okay. Sorry. Silly me. <laughs> yeah. It was, oh, God. It, it was just, and you were, and you could have cared about him. Like, that was a good, there was a, there was a possibility there. And then they did what they did with the entire rest of the movie. To your point about them being terrible uh, criminals, you're absolutely right. And I agree with everything you said. And I'll, and I'll, yes, and you, as Kevin likes to say. <laughs> um, the scene where they finally robbed the bank. Which, by the way, they knew the heat was on. These are these are supposed to be smart, thought out, precision criminals. They knew the heat was on them. They knew they'd been made. Why would they have done it? They shouldn't have done it. Or they should have just gone to a different fucking city and robbed a bank somewhere else. They had to do. Okay, you can get past that. Like this, we were committed to this. We got to do it. Fine. And then they just walk out of the bank without like no disguises or anything. And they think they're going to get away with it after every single person knew what they looked like. And De Niro knew they knew what they looked like. They just walk out and think they're going to get away. That's insane. That was their getaway plan. Like the the fucking. Wait, you you mean to tell me you mean to tell me that you don't give any credence to Tom Sizemore stopping, fixing his hair and putting on a pair of sunglasses? (laughs) Totally different guy. I had no (laughs) idea who he was. Clark Kent. They, literally, the dead presidents were such better. Ah, you motherfucker! That's in my notes. Exact analogy I use. Son of a bitch. Son of a bitch. Like precision, and they stayed in their little group of four. And it was that there were so many movies that did what this movie did better and shorter and tighter, and you care about them more. And I, 
it's just it's just mind blowing that this movie is so revered and that like my wife, who I truly have to consider my relationship with her now, <laughs> like was like so, so certain that this like like and then they like characters didn't even make like they introduced Henry Rollins and Henry Rollins looks a certain way. He looks like he's going to be a badass enforcer. Like you thought he was going to do something. Yeah. And he does nothing in the movie. And then the only thing he does is get his ass beat. And then he like whimpers. Like, what was the point of that character? And then the 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 money launderer who is kind of the, the mixes up the whole thing. William he, Fichtner. Who, Come on. Yeah, right. He dies. He dies the most irrelevant death. He just gets shot. There's no there was no there was no consequence to him other than we need him to move the plot forward. They steal something. They need to steal it for somebody who they steal it. This guy and this guy is going to say, well, they can't rob from me. And then it was and then the movie starts like and it was just it was just all done so sloppy and long winded. The women in this movie, if look, I'm not a I'm not a rampant feminist and I'm not one of those guys that's like women need better representation in every movie. This movie is one that women should get behind and be like women or need this was terrible to women. Every woman in this is just sad, kind of pathetic woman who all she can do is have sex or cry. And like that's 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 it for women in this movie. And the three main women in this movie were all duds. They were all just you didn't really care about them. Fucking Val Kilmer's wife, uh Ashley Judd. Like were you supposed to feel bad about her? Was she supposed See, to be? I felt like that relationship could have been its own movie. Like it's like mm. they they tried to put too much into the movie, and so therefore yep. they don't give anything any room to breathe. The only the only character they give any room to breathe is Dennis Haysbert, who they immediately kill. Like the right. the only the only sort of origin story or any sort of character development you see is this guy who then immediately dies as soon as he you know signs on. What but if yeah, I, I, uh, yeah. sorry, Christian, I'm gonna cut Go you ahead. off. What if I told you that there was a sequel, but in a book form called Heat 2, uh, where yeah, it all it focuses, it did, it all focuses on Val Kilmer's character and how he survived and what I, he's been I, up to I after that. Two last and, flashback, and flashbacks. Go ahead. That's it. Um, first of all, I've already forgot what my one point was. Sorry. Uh, first of all, Val, so Val Kilmer's character was like supposed to, no, I'm sorry, not Val Kilmer. Robert De Niro's character and the movie had like four chances to end and it would have been a better movie. Like when he was driving away with the girl, the movie could have ended and it could have been like, oh, he, he you know what? He realized that you don't always need somebody. You don't, don't always need to be able to get away in 30 seconds or whatever it was. And like he found the woman and he's going to go to Fiji and like that's like it's a happy ending. Not the movie ending this movie clearly was going to, but it would have almost made more sense and been better for the character. Then at the end. When you see him come out, look at her in the Camaro and he starts to walk away. I really thought the movie was going to end there and just be like, shit. He was like, no, fuck you. I have to live my life this way and walk away and disappear into the crowd. And Pacino was going to be like, I couldn't get him. So he doesn't get that gratification. And the movie ends. And I would have I tell you what, there would have been a much better movie to me if it ended that way. Absolutely. Because mm-hmm. it would have underscored the, the, the whole point is that. He had to he walked away like he said he was going to do and it ruined his life like like that he right. had his chance at happiness right and, and pacino's not going to be happy because he can't yeah. be with this woman and he can't get his man and he's gonna be frustrated his whole life yeah final point or or i would say the the other way it could have ended which would have been better is if he came back for her 
and got killed like that would have given yeah. it like greek tragedy sort of thing like you know you had the sort of right. Chekhov's gun thing of like you have to be able to drop everything and then de niro isn't able to do i mean i guess that's sort of what happens with killing wayne Grove, but it's like it would have been a much more dramatically satisfying thing for him his i have to go back for love not just to kill this dude you know and how unfulfilling was it when he did shoot him that's like ah, yeah. oh i expect so, a lot more than that is that your last point so, yeah like, so anticlimactic and lastly the the daughter uh why what what why did she even why was she why was she why and then she she i guess she first i was like oh my god they killed her in the bathtub like they got to her and they killed her and then i was like oh i think she was supposed to have committed suicide and then she had cut her legs which i didn't even know that's a thing when you try to commit suicide and then she doesn't die so there's no pay so why did that all why did that all happen because it was just so the two of them could get together and he could realize he could never be with her, which we kind of already knew. And they just beat it to death. This the whole movie, like it was on it was on the precipice of being like good in some ways. And then each time it just fell on its face. I really wish after Pacino, after De Niro, uh, Pacino shot De Niro, he said uh, he said, if you can't handle the heat, get your ass out the kitchen. And that movie ended. <laughs> I would have been like, oh, that was that was at least worth it. The build up to that punchline was was worth it. This movie stunk. I give it a four. Whoa. <laughs> These notes brought to you by guttingthesacredcow.com. Please leave us a five-star rating, two or three sentence review on your podcast platform of choice. You know I love screen shooting, shotting. What what's the proper verb on that? Can I get a witness? Uh, screen shooting, let's just call it that. Our favorite five-star reviews and posting on social media, of course, that being at GTSC Podcast. And, of course, anytime you see our content on the socials, just go ahead and tickle that like button for us. It really helps us out. Notes! In the first 95 seconds of this film, we are reminded how 90s this film is when we see Val Kilmer with his T-shirt firmly tucked into his jeans that, <laughs> that may or may not be Jordash. I couldn't quite tell. But Were close. the sleeves cuffed? That was... <laughs> Rolled oh, up like a flow was coming? Yeah. <laughs> who, who would have guessed that out of Val Kilmer, Tom Sizemore, Al Pacino, and Robert De Niro, that the latter wouldn't be dead or retired due to health complications? Wayne Grow, not to be confused with former Jets head coach Al Grow. Looks like he would lead the charge on Insurrection Day into AOC's office. <laughs> God damn it, Mom. Put the paper down and help Natalie Portman find her barrettes, for Christ's sakes. Yeah. Is, he, is the LA Times that riveting you couldn't help out your kid? She's having Didn't you just hope she killed herself? Oh. <laughs> what do you think Heat 2 is about? Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler, Natalie, Natalie Portman swinging the shower like Michael Hutchins. <laughs> Here's a that doesn't happen. How does that homeless witness who sees that armor car get knocked off have a working TV in his shopping cart while under a goddamn overpass? There's no electricity. <laughs> That's a good it's, point. Is there the no TV is on. Cord? Yeah. What? 55 footer there. Jesus. <laughs> I'm not going to give it that satisfaction, Christian. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not loving that. Hey, what's funnier, Robert Pacino and Al, sorry, Robert De Niro and Al Pacino having kids in their early 100s or their filmographies of the last 20 years? It's all sad. It's all sad. That was a hey, rhetorical question. 
Thank you. It sure was. Welcome to <laughs> phase two of Al Pacino's career. Phase one, the high pitch Al Pacino and Dog Day afternoon. Uh, we're going to hold the bank up. This is phase two. Hoo Pacino. Phase three, Pacino. Adam and Sandler doing Jack and Jill, Pacino. And phase four is coughing up virile dust into a 29 year old with granddaddy issues. Jeez. That's your Pacino timeline, kids. Ah, yes. Ashley Judd, when she was a complete smoke show, and, and then when she stopped getting roles, started losing her mind. Ah, love this Ashley Judd. I've never seen conversation like Neil and Edie had with two, as two strangers in a diner who weren't completely shit-faced because no one talks to each other at a diner. I've done a lot of drunken nights at diners, and I know you have too, Kevin Israel. I've met a lot yeah. of women in random places, but a diner, never one of them. Nope. Unless you count, unless you count drunkenly proposing to a third shift diner waitress as she serves you disco fries. Does a professional loner like Neil look like he'd be wowed by an introverted bookstore employee? Me neither. To book She's about medals. Yeah. yeah. I love William Fichtner in, Fichtner in every single role he's in, Go being my favorite. <laughs> Do you remember when Henley Rollins did every action film in the 90s for a hot minute and it completely stopped? Those were fun times, right? I love Pedro Serrano getting bossed around by the diner manager that looks like Clint Howard's stunt double with Down syndrome. <laughs> that's, that's a great observation. Thank you. <laughs> Kevin Israel, you said this in our earliest, that doesn't happen. Pachiro and De Niro are kings of hanging up the phone without saying uh, goodbye. Said it to Ashley. I said it to my wife when it happened. I was like, nobody says goodbye. You know how many people in the movie universe must just be like, hello? Hello? I guess you don't know. Oh, okay. I guess. All right. Okay. Sorry. I guess we're done here. Holy hell, when they're in that club, they're playing a song by House of Pain that's not Jump Around? No, no. I had that album. It is jump around, but it's like a remix. It's the same. Uh, I don't lyrics, think it, it is. No, oh, it's not. Okay. It is not I'm pretty around. sure it's off their second album. I oh. had both of those albums. My brother <laughs> had the second album for only one song and one song only. Who's the man from Who's, Who's the Man soundtrack? Yep. yep. That shit still slaps. Uh, Toe look in two movies. When you knew you first saw him in the go, you know he's going to drop all right sooner or later. But he disappointed this time. <laughs> what was the other movie? Ace Ventura. Yeah. Um, he was the friend. I'm talking to an empty telephone because there's a dead man on the other end. That line was written by that specific writer, and he would have bet his entire life savings in 1994 when that script was being written that that line would be as oft-repeated as hasta la vista, baby, would. But it didn't. <laughs> if you're on the fence about Wayne Grove being a piece of shit, let's have him kill an underage hooker to really move your needle. And yeah, another subplot that like you could excise entirely would yeah. change the movie. Not one like, nope. he killed a guy who couldn't hear. I think we got the point, fellas. Right. <laughs> point blank. I felt exactly what De Niro is talking about when making a snap decision and having to drop everything two minutes later when the heat's around the corner. You guys ever order an Uber and then two minutes before it arrives, you have to poop really bad. Do you try and squeeze it out? Or you just say, fucking cancel that Uber. Because <laughs> that happens to me every time I order an Uber for the airport. Every time. <laughs> Who would have thought the voice of Apu gets to be Ashley Judd's side piece in this film? 
How did the cops know that De Niro's crew would be at that refinery? And then through some Jedi vision, was able to piece together that De Niro's crew was then taking pictures of them. Where's I'll tell you why. Please, because they're good. Was good. They're good. I knew it. Yeah, good. They're good. Are we good? Are they good or what? How much do the people who work with Pacino hate when he'd go? You know why? And then he just didn't answer why. Because they're good. <laughs> oh yeah, that that that's I know exactly the scene you're talking about. It's like <laughs> you know I why? Think I know why? You know why? why? Be like, up oh, here he goes again. Everyone just go get some coffee. He's not going to tell us. They all just mouth it in sad <laughs> unison together. <laughs> The only thing that would be more unbelievable from Pacino chasing De Niro to take him out to coffee is him paragliding out of that police helicopter on top of the car. Really? We're going through this ornate chase scene to get to go, can I buy you a cup of coffee? Like, we're doing this. All that. All that. How the hell did Wayne Grow know to contact Van Zant? I'm waiting. Yeah. I had I a real problem with that. That's a dubious plot, but I go, how, where is the connection yeah. being made here, guys? I'm, that's a very good question. Yeah. Cause he's brought on at the last minute. He doesn't even know, uh, Tom Sizemore's name. Like they don't even know each other. So right. somehow he knows the guy who set up the deal, who went through John Voight like that. Make, yeah. There right. are a lot of points of this movie where I was like, I guess I just wasn't paying attention. No one, no one noticing De Niro's crew walking out of a bank with machine guns, hanging out of their suit jackets. Kevin Israel stole my line. The most charismatic bank robbers in movie history, the dead presidents, and it ain't even close. Especially when he goes, I am not a crook, and then moons the camera. <laughs> Love it. Love it. I like this gunfight scene. I don't care. It's, it goes on a while. It's different. It's, 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 it's shot differently. I appreciated it. I still dug it. By the way, this is such a good, uh, considered one of the best gunfights in movie history. It's shown to Marine recruits in weapons training. Really? As a story, yes, it is. The internet confirmed that, so you know it's true. Can we retire films that have the one kid stop in the middle of a gunfight or a stampede, scream mommy, and then someone has to save him or, in this case, be held a hostage? This trope needs to fucking die already. Thank you. Because I just watched the birds again, and lo and behold, they're running from the birds. One girl, mommy, and the birds are pecking at her, and they have to go back, pick her up. Holy hell, look at Ro Jeremy Piven with that Ron Jeremy yeah. mustache. <laughs> Ironically, both have been questioned in sexual harassment issues, and both are terrible at stand-up comedy. Yeah. <laughs> Henry Rollins' apartment has some of the flimsiest glass. They brush up against the glass, and kapow, they're on the balcony wrestling like they're pretending they're in a gladiator film. Movie glass, we need to stop this trope, too. Every time someone just brushes up against the glass, <laughs> Like Stone Cold Steve Austin just came with two Miller lights and started pounding it. <laughs> Christ. We all know this is not a real-life situation when Robert De Niro is chasing down a white girl love interest. Oof. Oh, I see what he did. Well, it's a fact. <laughs> the last fourth of this film really drags. After that gunfight, boys, this plods at the... This plods on like you're in line at TSA and you don't have pre-check. Holy shit. They could have cut out a lot of the scenes with the Neil and Edie trying to quit, trying to figure it out if she should quit working the fiction section of Barnes & Nobles to live her life with a bank robber who is four to five inches shorter than she is. I mean, that went on <laughs> way too long. Uh, Pacino throwing a fit. You can't watch my TV. And then kicking that TV he so loves out of a moving car 
when there were a bunch of homeless people at a bus stop, he could have said, here you go, and handed it off to them. I actually thought, and this is ridiculous, I thought he was going to offer the TV to the homeless guy, and it was going to be the homeless guy who had the other TV, and it was all going to come full circle. Wow, see, they should have had you on set. This is why WGA strong. This is why you need writers on set. To, so he would have had two TVs. They needed six more yeah. TVs to recreate the remote control set from 1985 with Ken Ober. <laughs> By the way, Natalie Portman looks the same now as she does as a teenager. That girl refuses mm-hmm. to age, which yeah. would make her her character then a prime candidate for Al Pacino now to impregnate her. <laughs> I, I like how I, I avoid any and all creepy Natalie Portman discourse. <laughs> I like how a lot over the years <laughs> there has been, especially when Moby lied about banging her. Did you read that? I did. I like how Pacino tells his wife, I'm not what you wanted. Gee, couldn't you figure that out two marriages ago that he's not the marrying type? You mean you're shocked that a cop who does nothing but chase good bank robber crews and shitheads, as he said, too. Is it looking to take you away to a beautiful weekend at a Mountary Lodge? Really? It took you this long to figure out he's not a good husband? Okay. This needed at least 20 minutes cut off, Phyllis. This was, I don't mind, I don't mind long films, but man, the editing here. Uh, let me guess, did Judd Apatow have his hand in that editing room? I think so. How about the part where Pacino sees De Niro running outside the hotel, sees a cop standing there, and he goes, throw me a shotgun. And the cop goes, without asking, who the hell are you? Throws right. <laughs> a shotgun. So true. Next time you see a shot, next time so you see true. a next time you see a cop outside with a shotgun, <laughs> just start running by and go, throw me that shotgun, and see if he does it. <laughs> The cat and mouse aspect at the end was kind of good, but at that point, the horse had left the barn. I love this movie when I first saw it, when it came out. I own it. I've had it. After, I don't know, let's say five or six rewatches, this storyline really gets muddled in that final act. I have so many questions, as I just posed. They really brush over why Danny Trejo screwed them over, and as I said Mm. before, how Van Zant gets in touch with Wayne Grow. I really liked the first three quarters of this film. The shootout after when De Niro killing Wayne Grove and all that, it plods along. But you guys really exposed a lot of warts. I'm dropping my score from a seven to a six and a half. Liked it. Still good, but a lot more holes than I remember. And you're right, Israel, you said Yeah, I'm bringing mine down to a four now that (laughs) we talk more about it. (laughs) This podcast has opened up a lot of eyes, willing and unwilling. Yeah, I was like, oh, boy, it's you got to take some points off. All right, let's see who the people who think they have a more important opinion than we do, who are a bunch of blowhards, have to say about this. Critics, five-star reviews. The gloriously excessive indulgence Michael Mann allowed himself after his brisk, bracing bracing masterpiece the last of the mohicans that was a phrase not a statement man ups the ante and all the formulaic elements by instilling them with a grandiloquence they might may not even deserve jesus i don't like this person already 26 years after his release i'm not sure that he has ever been battered as an action film or as a crime sorry been bettered as an action drama or as a crime drama or as an action film. No one's calling this an action film. An action film really is four main people and to call it an action film. Stallone, Schwarzenegger, Van Damme, Seagal, Wesley Snipes. Am I missing one? In the 90s I'm talking about. Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford, okay, sure. Of. Sure. 
besides indies and the uh, well the one in yeah indies and uh air force one and you know, like the fugitive and stuff like that you know what would you call the fugitive an action film i wouldn't you would call it drama yeah i call it drama a thriller drama and action drama i call it a, a thriller drama action comedy <laughs> romance <laughs> romance <laughs> I didn't kill her. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Critics, one star reviews. Criminal and police face off in Bloody's 90s action adventure. So why is that a one star rating? Oh. Great. So, yeah, sure. True. You really Anyone... nailed them there, buddy. <laughs> Got him. So why doesn't Heat, with its elaborately staged, tautly edited robberies, its killer cast, edgy score, and elegant cinematography offer more satisfaction? It's the script, stupid. That's what they write. <laughs> the performances are persuasive, but the, the plot rattles on much too long. As the final credits rolled, someone behind me muttered, that was so long, De Niro could have gone to prison in the first scene and finished his sentence before the movie was over. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Amazon five star reviews. It's all in caps. This is why I'm going to, to raise my voice. Robert De Niro and his henchmen are constantly building tension within this film. Their camaraderie is a single feature in this movie that clicks with reality. In my opinion, we know it's your opinion. You wrote it. It is the best cops robbers film ever portrayed on the big screen. And do you have intimate knowledge of criminals' camaraderie? Like he said, <laughs> that very realistic, or however you phrase it. I mean, I guess Ocean's Eleven kind of gave us an insight on criminals camaraderie. I guess so. Yeah. As good as it gets, Forrest Gump, Apocalypse Now, and Heat, the must-have collection if you can only pick four. I wouldn't have four of any of those in a pack of four. As good as it gets, no one has brought that up in the last 25 so years. Random, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Not even Jack Nicholson in a conversation of what films have you done in the last 25 years, you'd forget that one. Father and son sitting on a couch watching a movie. There's a screenshot of both of them with tears in their eyes. The shot moves inward to only find the Vatican emerging from afar to bring Santa and the missus to their new home. Ah, it's Christmas. Nothing better. Jesus. That sounds like a Martin Scorsese fever dream to me. How about you guys? Yeah. Next one. If you've played GTA 5 and haven't seen the film, WTF, yo. This movie is excellent, and it may have the single best shootout scene of any movie ever. Signed, Dixie Carter. Amazon one-star reviews. Amazon five-star, oh, sorry, one-star reviews. Nothing but shooting and killing interspersed among supposedly meaningful scenes between a bunch of violent men and their problematic relationships with women due to their violence. Alternates between smarmy and boring. Signed, Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> what a boring, pointless waste of time. It says this is a psychological drama. There is zero psychology and more drama in an episode of Adam 12. This is a simple crime drama. They've taken a few couple robberies, probably from old TV shows, and stretched them into three hours with a lot of irrelevant scenes like people sitting in bars or pulling up in cars. Ah, rhymes. That's cute. The stellar, <laughs> ca <laughs> stellar cast is totally wasted. Voight and Kilmer only have a few lines. Pacino's crude, arrogant belligerence is a total turnoff. There are too many characters to get interested in any of them. No one thought to put any thought into the robberies as they were pulled off with brute force. If you like straightforward action movies, you like this, but it isn't what it says it is. Don't be fooled by false advertising. Can I get my $2 back? There you go, Kevin Israel. <laughs> $2. Lock and load. 
And get ready to clutch the pearls on this one too, buddy. Okay, so maybe this movie's a classic, but it is slow. It's the same old story. Good cop, good cop chases bad guys. His wife complains that he's never around. There is a bunch of sex and pointless talking. Personally, I like stories more of a twist. Bunch of sex. There's one scene and an assumed second with De Niro and uh, And it's another pet peeve of mine. And I'm not trying to be creep, but it's like, it's bra sex, yeah, which is always yeah. <laughs> the lamest. It's like, come on. That's and I was creeped out watching Pacino make out with somebody. Oh, me too. Why. Oh, yeah. But I was like, this isn't sexy at all. Because you know Just, his, his breath tastes like black olives or something. Yeah. Like <laughs> Garlic? Is that where we're going to go? <laughs> I love black olives. Poor, I hate Gross. I, I'm with I you. used to work at a pizza place when I was a teenager, and I would have to empty giant cans of black olives. Like, And it, I, the smell of it is the most nauseating thing. I worked in a restaurant, and I completely agree. The olives still oh, <laughs> skin crawl yeah. no thanks but hey guys that's what beverly d'angelo had to deal with every day for several years because she dated i think married him but i know dated him and now for a quick version of what's funny who's funnier chat gpt or kg they have written bank chat gpt has written five one-liners and let's see what they came up with why did the bank robber watch heat before every heist because he wanted to learn from the pros and avoid any rookie mistakes Dun-dun. What did the cop say to the popcorn during the intense shootout in heat? Stay calm, buddy. This is just some heated action. Well done. Ooh-ah. I'm sorry. I got to get a pencil real quick. <laughs> copyright. Is, is not taking copyright? our jobs yeah. yet. <laughs> Why did Al Pacino's character in heat always carry a thermometer? Because he wanted to make sure the heat was on during every intense moment. That was the best one yet. And find more jokes like these in The Struggle is Real. <laughs> don't give away my secret <laughs> how did the director of heat motivate the actors during filming he told them remember folks this movie needs to be hotter than a stolen car in a summer day <laughs> if i only had a gong in this house why did robert de niro's character and he'd have trouble trouble making toast because every time he got near the toaster he couldn't help but think of the intense bank heist scene all right, good. So that means KG is up 3 nothing over Skynet. KG wins again. I love that AI thinks there's only one way to tell a joke Yeah. through that, that question and answer. Yeah. How, how can they clone people's voices to give up their social security numbers on prank phone calls, but they can't write a decent one-liner? <laughs> Kevin Israel, did our buddy Christian Finnegan gut the sacred cow? I think he did. I think he did a fantastic job. He was a lot more concise than I was. Uh, he, he, but we, I agree with him one bajillion percent, um, a great job just dismantling artfully and precisely this mess of a movie that is far overrated. I agree. If you get, you know, the real, you know, the drill, if you get me to drop my score, I, I also cut out the gutting. So two and oh for Christian Finnegan. And uh, I agree with your opinion much more about Blues Brothers than I do with this, but that's all right. I definitely agree <laughs> that this film has lost a little luster. That's going to do it this episode for Gutting the Sacred Cow. We'll see you all later. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.